90s kids and early otters, it's Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap. I am Sam. I'm Rachel. And we are a real-life couple with a little bit of an age difference. (laughs) Yep, each week on this podcast, Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap, we are going to introduce each other to a topic that is near and dear to us from our own generation in an effort to bridge the gap. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we do. That's the podcast. That's why you're here, people. Yeah, come on. I mean, this is season two. You catch up already. God, if you don't know what's happening and it's already season two, then why are we, what are we doing with our lives? I know. Come on, get with it. I think we're really excited right now because we're back. Oh, we're back. And we've been back. We've been back. And I know this is confusing because this is episode two, but this is the first time we're recording in our new home. That's right. In our new house. We I like did... to think of it as a studio. Oh, sorry. In our in our studio. In our new studio. In our new studio. We have to live here. We happen to sleep here. I cleaned the gutters <laughs> for our studio not too long ago. <laughs> and tonight I made salmon in our studio. But yeah, so it does feel like kind of a, a new beginning, even though we did record the first episode in our old apartment like months ago. Yeah, who knows? Who knows how long um, I've been wearing the hat of time just casually and it has distorted my whole view of how events are shaped. That hat is not meant to be worn. No. No. No, it is meant to be dipped into with a hand in a comical fashion and nothing else. This week's topics are two bands. One is Pearl Jam... And one is My Chemical Romance. Mm-hmm. And Pearl Jam is a grunge band from the 90s. Yeah. And MCR is an emo goth pop punk band from the early 2000s. <laughs> but of course, we weren't always this educated on our topics. No, we didn't all go to music school <laughs> on these topics. In fact, there was a time when we were a little, dare I say, in, in the, the dark. dark? I've come to talk with you again. It is time for In the Dark. This one's especially dark. Oh, yeah. Well, let's say it's time for In the Dark, where Sam and Rachel interview each other to find out just how much they know about this week's topics. So, Sam. Yeah. Oh, my. What do you know about Pearl Jam? I know that Pearl Jam... Never sticks with me. I've heard many Pearl Jam songs, and they just anyone born after the year 1990, Pearl Jam just like kind of like hits you and it falls right off. All right, it sounds like you're judging Pearl Jam right now. And what I want to know is what do you know about Pearl Jam? Okay, who are they? What are they? They're a grunge band from Seattle. Uh, everyone who's born before the year 1990, says that 10 is a perfect album. <laughs> I hear about it all the time. My older brother loves them. All of my older friends uh, love them. All right, who's who are some of the band members? Eddie Vedder, and there's a guitar one, too. Andy Cheddar. Okay. <laughs> can, you, can you name uh, any Pearl Jam songs? Um, Jeremy Spooky on Class D. Hold on, there's another one. It goes, and then hold on, there's, um, what's the one that's like, uh, don't call me daughter, nothing here. Um, so yeah, I know a couple. Wow. 
for a moment, I thought Eddie Vedder was in my office. Yeah. This is incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that private concert. Absolutely. All right. Well, it sounds like you know quite a bit about Pearl Jam. And as per usual, I know you, you know more than I do. <laughs> well, I have an unfair advantage. I'm curious. Okay. Um, all right, Rachel, I want to hear what you know about the band My Chemical Romance. I've never heard of it before we created this week's topic. Okay, interesting. Um, interesting. But I guess if I had to say, yeah. they're probably a emo band, um, you know, four white guys, three guitar players, and a bassist. Um, and no drummer. <laughs> no drums. <laughs> it's super emo. <laughs> and uh, they, they, uh, they have such hits as science in the bathroom uh and uh, that's not physics that's chemistry mm-hmm. i see um, a lot of educational themes well you songs. know chemical romance. oh i see yeah I see. um yeah you think they're a, a science-based <laughs> band yeah like a science all, romance kind of a yeah thing? it's a yeah. lot of like um songs that are like you're my chemical reaction you know or mm. like you make me lose gravity now you've heard some emo <laughs> music right i learned what emo was from being with you <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you've heard some emo music on all sides of the spectrum there's kind of like dashboard confessional on the kind of like acoustic singer songwriter side season one yeah and then there's you know a whole other side where it goes all the way to screamo where people are screaming. oh that can also be emo it's emo sc- can be Screamo? It's called Screamo. Oh. It's screaming emo. It's like metal emo kind of thing. Where do you think uh, My Chemical Romance lies in the spectrum of that? Oh, interesting. Okay, I'm going to say right in the middle. Interesting. Yeah, right in the middle. It's not screamy deamy, mm-hmm. but it's not steamy dreamy either. Okay. Um, now, I want to hear what you think. Like, I did my Eddie Vedder impression. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what you think of my Chemical Romance song sounds yeah, like. Yeah, it's like... You apparently... Being a Pearl Jam fan, you can only imagine what it sounds like when people don't <laughs> say the words to their songs. Um, yeah, it's kind of a lot of like, uh, hey, yo, why, yo, yo, why you playing the yo, yo? <laughs> All right, well, I guess we'll have to find out uh, how much that stacks up to the truth. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. Back, Back to, to you, future Sam Rachel. Rachel. Wowie zowie. Wow. Oh my gosh. Where do we even start here, Rachel? I've learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I feel much more um, in the light. Yes. If you will. You know? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. There's Not a drummer. Not a lot of people feel that way after listening to a bunch of My Chemical Romance. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's so... Are we starting there? Are we starting with I, My Chem? Yeah. Let's do it. Right? All I don't right. know. Yeah. 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 Okay. Go for it. Tell oh. us a little bit about My Chemical Romance. All right. My Chemical Romance, or My Chem, or MCR, 
is an alternative rock, emo, goth, pop, punk, post-hardcore arena rock band from Newark, New Jersey that was popular from 2002 to, if if we're stretching it, 2013 when they broke up. Um, I like to think that this band is what happens when Freddie Mercury meets Smashing Pumpkins. Ooh, that makes it sound really good. Yeah, it is. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it is. Didn't you listen to it, Rachel? come on, come on. Okay, we got Gerard Way. He is our lead singer and lyricist and starter of the band, okay? Uh, He started out actually as a comic book artist, working on comics featuring, you guessed it, vampires (laughs) oh is that why you wear so much eyeliner okay (laughs) let's be real oh man i actually fuck what Uh, i was planning on for my bit to actually have grabbed some eyeliner and put some eyeliner oh well Uh, let's pretend you did okay so i'm wearing eyeliner oh my god look your eyes are really sparkling yeah 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 and actually in looking this up you know i've got my whole music theory about like how uh, pop rock music like turned on a dime after 9-11 right this is my like weird pet thesis this is yeah this is what your phd is about that's correct <laughs> that's why i went to music school um it gerard way the lead singer credits 9-11 as being like this turning point for him he was working in new york being he was an intern for cartoon network at the time as a comic artist okay and oh well, so happened. he was like a legit cartoonist. I thought, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, he was doing comic book stuff, and we'll get to it. He picks it back up again later. Mm, cool. Um, but uh, like nine eleven happens, he's around it. He's like, I can't just do this like Philly art thing. I can't do this anymore. I have to do something that matters. <laughs> okay. And so he started an so emo he rock band. A f- oh, I thought you were going to say he became, you know, a doctor. <laughs> right, right. You would think <laughs> it's weird to drop like one little bit of art for a different bit of art. Yeah. That's pretty lateral. Feels Just, like a lateral move, but. I don't know. I get it, though. I mean, in music, you can express. You can't. I mean, there's a lot of themes of darkness and suicide and stuff like that in this music, right? I don't know. So maybe he felt that working for the Cartoon Network. He couldn't really go that route. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that theory. Yeah. So it's on September 12th, 2001, when the band is formed. Okay? Whoa. Yeah. Um, it's named after a collection of British short stories about like someone like this many Mike, this many chemical romances or oh. something like that. Okay? So we know it's not uh, because their songs were all science metaphors. <laughs> That's correct. Mm. We did find that out we this learned. week. Yeah. <laughs> um, and soon this band would become the poster child for the emo music genre, despite insisting that they weren't emo hmm. and that that music was quote trash. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. They were the, oh, interesting. I, I didn't know they were like the emo band. Well, I think to what this is me saying they're the emo band. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very like an emo band to insist that they're not an emo band because at the time, everything was called emo, right? We're talking about, what does emo mean? It means emotional music. Um, They've been writing that since music was invented, right? Mm-hmm. Like this idea of emo music doesn't make a lot of sense. And especially with uh, alternative rock, uh, we all know that these like, you know, qualifiers and names of genres just get tossed out and and totally messed up all the time. Right. right? Um, 
So I think that they do bring uh, the kind of like pinnacle of what emo is. And I'll kind of talk about Hmm. how they achieve that uh, throughout their history. But starting off with their first album, which I did not have you listen to. Oh, okay. Right, Rachel? What did you listen to this week? Oh, I had to go back. Um, I can tell you what you listened to. Yeah, you can tell me. You listened to uh, songs from the album. Black Parade or something? Yeah. Listen to the the songs from the album Black Parade and Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even bother with this first album here because it is a little screamier, a little bit. It's not full screamo, um, but it's definitely harder. It's more raw. It's more garagey. And they actually had the uh, lead singer of Thursday produce the album. The band Thursday, which I know you don't know, <laughs> is kind of, I think, the the first band that maybe got called emo. Okay? Mm. So they have, like, the grandfather of the genre with the blessing on the first album here. Thursday is way too, like, kind of soft of a, of a, I don't know, it's too clean, it's too something yeah so thursdays before emo and what we'll find out here uh their first album is called i brought you my bullets you brought me your love um emo <laughs> titles need l- lots of words they need to be very long yeah they're each into they're each po- every like song title is a poem yeah every yeah every album title was inspired <laughs> by i love you you're perfect now change like everything is <laughs> totally. just a long ongoing sentence okay um but it's not until 2004 when Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge releases. This is their big album that makes them big, featuring killer singles and music videos that were much more poppier and much more produced than their first album. Uh, Specifically, this will bring us to the first song I had you listen to, I'm Not Okay, in parentheses, I promise. Mm -hmm. Um, I think lays the perfect branding for what this band was, Mm -hmm. right? The video is about like school time bullies, unreciprocated crushes and how sexy it was to wear eyeliner was <laughs> you look great right Thank now you, hey, you hey. look amazing hey ladies <laughs> um their music focuses on like dramatic emotions emotions it's so emotional uh Especially for like a male of that time, like giving permission to have feel your feels out loud. Um, I know that I personally dyed my hair black and wore girl pants. And this straightened your hair. And straightened my hair. You better believe it. Um, Wait, did you just say girl pants? Yeah. What does that mean? What, what do you mean? Okay, yeah. So No pockets? <laughs> at the time... It was really cool to have like really tight clothes, right? Tight shirts, tight pants, but they didn't, this is coming out of the late nineties. They didn't make tight pants for men. No. In fact, they added extra space with pleats and pleats and pleats. Oh yeah. Lots of pleats. And like, (laughs) we're literally coming out of the time where it's like, it's not even cool to wear your pants above your ass. No. Right. Like for any guy. Like, I know I rocked those low, saggy jeans, you know? So, at the time, you couldn't find these, like, tight-fitting pants. You literally had to buy girls' pants. Oh, interesting. And this is, you know, this is really start of, like, that metrosexual, like... Right. We're really coming out of the hardcore masculinity in, like, mid-2000s, right? Yeah. It's like, but it's not over. That masculinity, obviously, it still persists, but, like... It had a really tight grip at the time, and there's yeah. a lot of conflict but, with 
like the emo bands and their like emotional stuff and the eyeliner and the girl pants yeah. and stuff. But I'm so glad that like as a society, for the most part at least, we don't have to n- be like, oh, you're a guy who likes to dress nice. You're a metrosexual. <laughs> like I'm really glad that it's like you can just dress however the fuck you want now. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I think there's a lot more layers now. There's a yes. lot more colors in our book yeah you know it, it, we are a spectrum of humans now instead of just like you are this or you are that yeah 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 um and at least in my personal story this whole like emo phase has a lot to do with it mm-hmm. and there was no band that looked quite as like fucking sweet as my chemical romance yeah uh specifically if we're talking about branding the music video for helena which also appears on this album is the most iconic emo music video of all time. Okay. Mm. A dead girl ballerina dancing on point out of her <laughs> own coffin at her own funeral. Oh, so fucking emo, man. Mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> chef's dead kiss. <laughs> um, and Is then, it Helena and not Helena? I, you know, I've actually heard it both ways. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a friend, Helena, so yeah. that's what I assumed it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, I heard Helena. It's spelled like Helena. It's actually named after his grandmother who passed away, like right as they were hitting their fame. And his grandmother was like his like main source of inspiration, taught him how to sing Aww. and stuff. Yeah. And, and draw cartoons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, she was a vampire. I thought that he looked kind of like, um, oh my God, I just blanked on his name. Uh, who's the lead singer of uh, Green Day? Billy. Billy Joe. Yeah, I Billy got Joe a Billy Joe vibe. Yeah, yeah. I think it's hard to separate. This album comes out in 2004. What other album comes out in 2004? American Doogie. Idiot. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Doogie's probably old. Yeah, Way yeah. before it, yeah. Uh, but that's going to bring us to what a lot of people consider their masterpiece, their rock opera concept album, The Black Parade. Yeah, I like. I liked it. I, 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 well, I don't want to say like, I loved it, but yeah. like, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. 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 And it's actually produced by the same person who produced American Idiot. And now that you say rock opera, that yes. makes a lot more sense to me. Um, just because, um, yeah, that, I, I got that feeling that like some of these songs were like very storytelling like they took you on a journey. Yeah. You yeah. Know? These songs are like, I mean, it's just like kind of like whiny theater kid music. You know what I mean? Like I, that's why I mentioned the thing about Freddie Mercury at the top, because I feel like it's like important to have like this, like arena rock feel, this like epic, like narrative, uh, uh this epic narrative feeling is just like constant throughout the music. Yeah. Well now, I mean, I literally wrote that down. I mean, yeah. I know it's not my turn yet, but yeah. I literally wrote down epic, this feels like a journey. <laughs> so yeah, I feel very uh, validated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, even the titular song, the black parade is like, so epic teenagers is a bop and a half. I love that song. Um, and it's all about how like wild the MCR fandom had become like teenager, like all their fans are teenagers and like teenagers scared the living shit out of me. Do it's they, like, call, do they call themselves MCR? Yeah, MCR, my it's like cam. DMB. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in this album, like you can see in the music videos, their look like drastically changed, right? Like first we've got like the long black hair and like it's a very vampy. And then in this one, we've got short 
blonde hair. Everyone's in these like kind of like marching band outfits, which is kind of like an homage to like a, a goth Sergeant Pepper. Okay. Oh, that makes sense though, because in that Welcome to the Black Parade song, it starts with these like patriotic drums. Mm-hmm. It starts with like yeah. a tum, 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 tum. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It feels so anthemy and everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, but just to give you a little flavor, we have the Black Parade, right? It's like this goth like journey, but it's actually very hopeful. Like the lyrics are like, carry on, like we're all going to carry on. Like it's a hopeful anthem, but in this like bleak setting. But let's just feel, what was the top song of 2006 that this is going up against? Oh God. (laughs) You had a bad day. I'm chewing some gum and I'm curling my hair. (laughs) It's just like (laughs) night and day. (laughs) <laughs> Daniel Powder? I don't know. I think it's a one-hit wonder. Whoa. But, like, those were your choices. <laughs> you know? If you were me in high school, yeah. it's like you have Cornsville or you have the Black Parade. And this is 2006 we're talking about? 2006, yeah. Okay. And just for generation gap purposes, Sam is in in high school in yeah. 2006. What, what, what 15, grade? 16. What great, Yeah. And I am, yeah, living it up as an adult in Boston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's, we're, we're kind of dancing around it. 2006 and emo. There was kind of a brief return of this, like, satanic panic kind of feel in the mid-2000s. Um, the Daily Mail, the, like, British tabloid, in particular said that uh, My Chemical Romance had a, quote, cult of self-harm, citing their appearance their association with the band Thursday and the band's openness <laughs> about their own mental issues. Oh geez. It's oh, our it's society just, has grown a lot. It's so wild. Like emo is such a place in time because it's like, we just talk about mental illness. You don't have to write a whole goth opera to express it. You can just be like, I feel bad sometimes. And that's like, just, okay to say now. There's you know? so much sh- sh- terribleness in our current world but when you when you when you just shine a light back just like 15 years you're like well we have come from there and we are in a better place now so yeah it's weird to me that emo was only around for like a brief period of time and this kind of stigma could be a contributing factor to it like this like bad like emo was bad it was bad i mean first of all it wasn't the best music well it's like it's like you're you're party pooper. Like your music's supposed to cheer me up and you're talking about mental illness. Like yeah. you're lame. Yeah. You know who else had a bad day? Daniel Powder. And he didn't make me <laughs> think. I had a bad day. <laughs> I chewed my gum. I went to the store and I went for a run. <laughs> like a terrible day. Um, but I think that Black Parade as an album might be the, the nail in the coffin of emo. I don't think it ever I think that's the last popular bit of emo music we get. Um from the band's perspective, after this album, they do like a hundred and thirty some odd performance tour. Um, and they just burn themselves out real mm. hard. They try to release uh, they, or they try to release. They end up releasing other albums after this, trying to get back to their like original, rougher, less conceptual image. Um, in fact, they actually brought in a producer to help them do that, a one Brendan O'Brien. 
I, I I thought you were going to be like Jack Antoff or whatever, like no. jo- Jack Antoff or like, uh, I don't know, one of Taylor Swift's. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Brendan O'Brien produced Red Hot Chili Peppers, ACDC, and one Pearl, Pearl Jam. Jam. I see, I see. Um, but they break up in 2013, reunite in 2019, and are still together with the with most of the foundational members of the band, including Gerard oh, Way. That's great. Yeah. Mazel tov. And then just a little fun fact here, Gerard Way, in those intervening years, uh, made a comic uh, called The Umbrella Academy, which is no now a Netflix way. TV show. Yeah. He created that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that God, that's so interesting. It's just... Talking about what we were talking about before, because that is, I did watch the first season of that show. That's right. I was like, I swear Rachel watched this yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple of shows that are like like that, and I couldn't remember which one you watched. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, it's dark. Um, <laughs> and so that's cool. I'm happy for him that he found his outlet, like he could use his outlet in the way that he wanted to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it didn't just have to be mommy dooby doo doo. He didn't write that. That's like, Daniel Powder. No, I know, but. <laughs> He left cartooning because he couldn't express himself. And now he found his way back to cartoon or comic or whatever. Yeah. That's very, yeah, Yeah. that's cool. I want to hear about your experiences though, Rachel, because Mm -hmm. I, I feel like the theme of this week is like music that, that is hard to translate generationally. So what, what were your vibes? Well, so much of what we do here at the generation gap podcast, (laughs) thanks, thanks to listeners like you, uh, is we are, we listen to stuff and we go, is that great? Or is that just nostalgia? Right. Right. I mean, that's like a huge part of it. And it's interesting that it was so iconic in the emo world because you made me listen to, dashboard confessional Mm -hmm. and that like to me seemed more like emo like more whiny and this to me felt more like rock yes like again they didn't call themselves emo but no one did so who was emo and maybe it's because of the topics they were talking about but as we will learn my the band i'm gonna talk about pearl jam was talking about very similar topics so like i don't know yeah that's i don't know why it was called emo um, like I, I, anyway, yeah, my, my thoughts were like, uh, initially like maybe I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that was a little screamo, mm-hmm. um, if we're talking emo screamo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do feel like some of those first songs I listened to, I wish I looked up like if those were their earlier albums or mm-hmm. what, but they were very much like, like everything is like two, two. Is that right? Like two, two times signature. Yeah. It's very punk. Um, there's no like four, four time, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, don't have time for four, four time, but, um, I didn't, I, I literally wrote like some of this wasn't bad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that Helena song that was the so long. Night. Night. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a pretty good chorus. Yeah. Um, I thought teenagers had a fun Ugh. chorus, although I can't remember it now. How does it go? Oh, all together now. Teenagers scared the living shit out of, out of me. me. Yeah. They could care less as long as mouth. someone will bleed. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fun. It almost has like an obla di obla da vibe yes. to it. It's like so fun. I, maybe I've listened to, I've been listening to too much Switched on Pop, uh-huh. but I was like, th- I wrote down like, this is more sonically interesting <laughs> like than the others. Yeah. Um, 
it has more like rock and roll elements and it feels it feels like it's tipping its hat to different genres. Yes. Um, there's a whole electric guitar solo. There's cowbell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Teenagers has a great cowbell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then Welcome to the Black Parade. I already, I mean, you kind of said what I was gonna say, which is that like it felt really epic, mm-hmm. and it actually it it felt like influenced by Queen because yes. I feel like Queen has that like almost chapter like feel in some of their mm-hmm. songs where it's like. It starts here and it ends in a completely different place and then it jumps to a t- completely different chapter, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, I just felt like it took me on a journey and I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. I also wrote down maybe even like has some hints of Fallout Boy, which is hilarious because once again, dear listener, I didn't really know what Fallout Boy was. Actually, one of Sam's favorite games to play is <laughs> when a song comes on the radio, he's always like, Rachel, who sings this song? And I'm always like, Blink 182, uh, whatever I guess, the answer is always Fallout Boy because yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. always on the radio. It's Fallout Boy or Blink 182, and you can never tell the difference. I can't, I can't. So, yeah, I thought they were, uh, it was better than I thought it would be. I mean, way better than Dashboard Confessional. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. I'll say from my perspective, when I was a young boy, uh, my father took me to see a marching band. Uh, no, uh, that I'm not a huge fan of My Chemical Romance, um, but I do love the hits, mm-hmm. um, and I love their, uh, look and I love their attitude. Uh, I remember being like an eighth grade loser. Uh, uh no, I was, Sam, here's the thing, Mr. Homecoming King himself. I wasn't. I was in eighth grade. I was at Lincoln middle school in Cottage Grove, Oregon. Go Tigers. Uh, and I was knowing that my family was going to move that summer to Portland, right? The big city. Um, <laughs> Back to Portland. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I lived here when I was six. I didn't know. I was yeah. a small town kid. So I was, I was going to the big city, and I was going to the biggest high school in the state. And I wasn't going to know anyone. So I decided, I'm going to go emo. <laughs> I'm going okay. to change who I am, because it doesn't matter. No one else knows who I am, so... Uh, in Portland, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I like bought a bunch of tight clothes, the girl pants. I had like a dark brooding attitude. I wore the eyeliner. I straightened my hair every morning. I bought a hair straightener and straightened my hair every morning. So I was wearing the tight clothes. I was wearing the eyeliner and I was listening to music that no one else could understand. This music, like emo music, is kind of some of the first that wasn't just handed to me by my older brother. Right, like you discovered it on your own. Right, and it was the thing where I was like, check this out, older brother, and he's like, no. <laughs> no, thank you. I'll he's listen like, to Pearl Jam. have you listened to 10 by Pearl Jam? <laughs> so is My Chemical Romance objectively great? No, but it was mine. And for where I was at, and of all the goth, rock, emo, pop, punk, post-hardcore arena rock bands there were, you could do a hell of a lot worse than My Chemical Romance. Thank you for teaching me about My Chemical Romance. And thanks for listening. It was a lot of fun. There's something about emo music where it's like, it's meant to just be screamed in in remembrance. Like, you hear the songs and you just, you scream the lyrics because you know them, and along with other people, and you all look at each other with that look in your eye of like, we were embarrassing once, but this is our time now. This is our time down here. (laughs) Goonies. Um, yeah, and I will admit when we, so, so we actually recorded our In the Dark segment 
months ago mm-hmm. uh, and are just recording this episode now. So I actually started doing the research when we, you know, months ago when we were going to yeah. work on this and then we bought a house and it was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Studio. Uh, I mean, studio. <laughs> and uh, I, my initial notes were just not as nice as my later notes. Yeah. I feel like in the beginning I was just like, why are these white boys so at, upset all the time? Mm-hmm. It's like what I wrote down. <laughs> like, why are they so angsty? Why are they always crying? You know? <laughs> and then I listened to it again this week and yeah. I was like, actually... This isn't so bad. Yeah. So also, if you're going to hold the standards about what are these white boys whining about, I hate to tell you what your topic is. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Uh, Awesome. Shall we move forward? Was that your transition? Let's go. It's time to talk some Pearl Jam and talking down to Pearl Jam. That's right. We have Eddie Vedder here in the studio today, ladies, gents, and non-binary friends. It's an honor <laughs> just to be here and be on the microphone. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I think that's one of your best impressions. Thank you. You're yeah, welcome. It's Jimmy Stewart and Eddie Vedder. Uh, oh, let's hear Jimmy Stewart. Heaven floor. <laughs> Wow, that was. Is Jimmy, don't don't call me daughter. Is Jimmy Stewart here in our studio, Denise? How did you? I'll let Jeremy speak. He's got something he wants to say in class today. All right, friends. My topic today is Pearl Jam, and similar to you, I really stuck with like a very small portion of Pearl Jam's history because that was where I intersected mm-hmm. with Pearl Jam. So we're really talking about. Uh, obviously their debut album 10 and then a couple of their other early albums. So for anyone unfamiliar, Pearl Jam is an American alternative rock band from Seattle. They were formed in 1990. Sam wasn't born yet. Mm -mm. Formed Uh, in 1991. (laughs) Sam was formed in 1991. (laughs) Uh, They were one of the biggest contributors contributors to the popularity of grunge music in the nineties. Um, and their founding members, uh, Mike McCready, Jeff Arment, Stone Gossard. I don't know if it's Stone Gossard. Uh, Matt Cameron. Um, uh, two of those guys, like uh, Arment and Stone Gossard, they had been in another band. They had been in Mother Love Bone, and that was like doing really well. Um, and then their, I think their lead vocalist died. And so they basically started Pearl Jam. Um, and Eddie Vedder, like heard a demo and like anyway that's how they got Eddie Vedder on vocals um so yeah apparently what I learned this week is that they're still together and they're still touring and they're still making albums and I was like holy shit because 1990 was a long time ago yeah um wow you know um crazy and obviously they've gone through many different band mates and stuff but eddie vetter is still there for sure yeah um so yeah uh their debut album as you mentioned was 10 Mm -hmm. it came out in 1991 and it just like blew up um it included songs like alive uh black jeremy of course uh and uh it's one of the highest selling what you're acting like there's like a few tracks on here when i listened to 10 i was like oh this is why people talk about 10 oh, it literally has all the pearl it's jam all songs. The songs i mean a lot of those songs just like lasted and lasted and lasted i assumed pearl jam was like like a 10 album band 
you know, and the songs I heard was like hits from all of them. I'm like, no, I probably heard like two or three Pearl Jam albums and 10 is all of them. It's so many hits. There was one song on the album, like re-listening to it this week that I was like, I don't remember that one. And everything else, I'm like, I still know every word. Yeah, is it called 10 because there are 10 singles on the album? No, actually, it's called 10 because uh, that was the number of, uh, I forget the guy's last name, a basketball player that they loved, Mookie something. Mookie Uh, Betts? No. What? No. He's a baseball, <laughs> He's a baseball player. player. Yeah. Uh, Stay tuned for our sports episode. <laughs> um, no, um, it was the number of their favorite uh, basketball player. Interesting. Actually Probably for the song. Wanted right? to name the album this guy's actual name. Sean Kemp. Mookie. No, Mookie. <laughs> uh, and that guy was like, no, you can't name the album my name. Uh, so they called it 10. Um, but yeah, it's one of the highest selling rock records ever. Yeah. Uh, it stayed on the Billboard 200 chart for almost five years. Whoa. <laughs> Which I just think is nuts. Uh, went platinum 13 times, all this crazy stuff. Um, they they released other very popular albums in later years, including Vital- Vitalo- bleh, Vitalogy and Versus. Um all which came out before Sam was four years old. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> um, and yeah, they were just a huge touring band and they apparently still are, which is nuts. I feel like I knew that because our friend Leon, I feel like still sees Pearl Does Jam he all really? the time. All the time. He loves Pearl Jam. Uh, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017. Uh, here's some fun facts. Ooh, love it. Uh, I don't know how fun they are, but... They're facts. Um, but the band, especially Eddie Vedder, I think you'll like this. Well, so he's promoted a lot of social and political issues, yeah. including being super pro-abortion rights, mm-hmm. which I love, and very opposed to George W. Bush's presidency, which you this. would love. I do remember you that. Hate. Yeah. yeah. And today they do a lot of work that highlights gun violence and like gun control and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So uh, pretty cool. Um they had so many issues with fame. Like, I think that's what's really interesting. I'd like to talk at the end about, like, what it means to sell out. Because that just mm. seems to be something that comes up a lot in genres like grunge, mm. where you're not supposed to care, but then you get really famous. It's a trap. Rock and roll's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, Jane, this is, like, a famous story, so I'm definitely not the first person to say this. Uh, but Jeremy had such a famous video. Yeah. And it just was like so huge and they got awards for it that after that they refused to make any music videos for any of their songs, which pissed their record label off, like just pissed everybody off. And they also like didn't want to do interviews and TV appearances. They just, they just got too famous, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Also, they really tried to keep ticket prices reasonable uh, and like accessible Mm -hmm. by putting like a cap on their ticket prices because they toured a lot. And then Ticketmaster just really pissed them off with these service fees. So they sued Ticketmaster. And I just think it's really interesting because this is, they sued Ticketmaster for being a monopoly and they like testified before Congress Mm -hmm. and uh, alert that's still happening right now. As we record this Ticketmaster is currently in hearings because of the issues with Taylor Swift's concert and everything. I read an article by Clyde Lawrence, the guy that fronts the band Lawrence from Brooklyn. Oh, okay. 
about how like for such a small band like touring how much Ticketmaster just like eats up all they don't like make any money from touring because Ticketmaster just it's just nuts so it's interesting that they sued Ticketmaster in the 90s and it's like still going on today wow um but yeah and they boycotted Ticketmaster for years. Mm-hmm. And so they tried to do concerts that benefited like charities instead because mm-hmm. that's a way they could like get around Ticketmaster mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But it almost killed their career. Whoa. Yeah. And I, so I think that like when people think of Pearl Jam, they think of grunge. Yes. Like, you know, and grunge. So I was like, maybe we should talk real quickly about grunge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. Um, so yeah, grunge is an alternative rock genre and subculture that emerged during the mid 1980s in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, that's what I know. Pew, I pew, grew pew. up here. I knew that we had grunge. <laughs> yeah, particularly in in Seattle, but like Pac Northwest in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I found on Wikipedia, uh, grunge mixes bits of punk rock with heavy metal. And there's like a lot of distortion on the guitars to make it feel grungy, you mm-hmm. know? I would say that my number one takeaway when listening to 10 as an album was the guitar distortion. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I used to listen to 80s music and go like, why does this sound fake? Like, why does this sound (laughs) like... (laughs) Uh, It's just like, to me, it's like, it's so funny how guitar distortions are just like clothes or hairstyles. (laughs) Where it's just like, you're like... Well, that dates this song, you know, when you like listen to it, like just the guitar solos, like sometimes it's like awesome and like face melting. And other times I'm like, are we still using that same one? You know, we used that one last song. <laughs> I know? don't even, I didn't even notice it. Cause I'm like, this is the sound of Pearl Jam. Man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like people talk a lot about how famously there was like a feud or whatever with Kurt Cobain because Kurt Cobain felt like, did you not know that? I didn't. Well, I assumed that there'd be, I don't know. I, I was wondering, cause I'm, I'm a big Nirvana fan. I like grunge music, but Pearl Jam always just felt like, I don't know. I don't know. It just never sticks. I, it's not that I hate it. It's just, it never felt, You weren't. Well, I never wanted it. <laughs> I never asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> and you asked for Nirvana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a Nirvana patch on my jacket. Yeah. I... But I think that's a coolness factor. And I was just listening to this other podcast about this album, about yeah. 10. Yeah. And because I think what's really crazy about it, like when I was so in in the dark, you were like, everyone always says that 10 is this like magical album. Yeah. It's the greatest of all time. And I was one of those people. Like, I remember growing up, we would all be like, best album of all time. Like, it was just like a thing. Yeah. And so I was thinking. It's like how people say that. Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is the greatest video game of all time. Is that it's what like, people say? That's what people say. I know you've never heard of a video game, but... <laughs> what um, is a video game? Yeah, yeah. So it's a game you play it on the computer. Um, <laughs> but like, it, it just feels like, oh, that's just the stock answer. And it's like, is that really your opinion? Or are you just parroting the thing you've heard people right. say? And so I was like, well, maybe that is why people said it. I know I believed it yeah. at the time, yeah. but like looking back. But like today when I was doing research and stuff, I'm like, Actually, people think it still holds up. I mean, yeah. critics, Rolling Stone, I mean, it's yeah. still on the lists, you know? It's it's not Marvin Gaye, but right. it's on the list. And and so is Nevermind. Like so is Nirvana's yeah. Nevermind. Yeah. But like 
it's still great. And and I think it's because, like you said, it's hit after hit after hit. Like, there's so many songs on there. Yeah, you know? and I'm surprised. I didn't realize that 10 was the first album, too. I, You know, I didn't realize that either yeah, until, that's like, wild. now. All right, so what's this yeah. beef with Kurt? Oh, it was I, it was short-lived, I think. And apparently they, they like, reconnected before Kurt died and everything. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it had more to do with, like... Kurt Cobain shitting on Pearl Jam and being Seems like... Seems right. He was <laughs> not a good guy. And saying that he didn't like it. He, you know, I think that there were people being like, it's not grunge. I think that um, Pearl Jam was way less heavy than other, like, quote-unquote grunge bands because they were really influenced by classic rock. They really liked um, Neil Young and, like, Led Zeppelin and stuff. Led Zeppelin, Where, like, punk... Yeah other grunge was more heavily influenced by punk. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely so, feel that Nirvana is more punk. Yeah. yeah. There's like a, there's like a laid back pocket that, um, Pearl jam sits in. Yeah. Well, I was now. thinking about it like, cause I was listening to those songs and again, I'm like, is this good <laughs> or <laughs> is it nostalgia? Yeah. You know, it's just like the age old, like, does it hold up? Yeah. You know, I was re-listening to some of our old episodes of our podcast and I'm like, Spaceballs to me is like the greatest movie of all time, you know, but I know it's probably nostalgia, yeah. right? Um, but I think that like one of the reasons this album is so good is because even though it is grunge, it's grunge with like a groove. Mm-hmm. Like you can bop your head to it, like the hooks are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good headbanging music. It's good. Because headbanging, you don't want it to be too fast for headbang. You want it to like <laughs> You need to like even <laughs> Yeah. So like yeah, I was thinking the the analogy is grunge is to Rachel as pop punk is to Sam. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We're talking about really we're talking about two genres and kind of bands that ride the height of the waves of those genres. Yeah, and I guess I know yours but like uh MCR was emo. Yeah, but. I mean they think of themselves as pop punk or alternative rock or whatever it is. But um, I'm sure like, like Kurt said, like is Pearl jam grunge, like all mm-hmm. these, like I hated all the time with rock music. They just pick at what these things mean. And, and right. none of it means anything. It's all music. Um, uh, I actually remember hearing a quote from Jack White uh, when he was on the <laughs> old Stephen Colbert show, he would be interviewed and Stephen Colbert would be like, you know, this like lyric in your song, like, uh, what does that mean? And he goes, it doesn't make sense to talk about music. You're supposed to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I always feel like that when people try to like name too many things about music. Well, and you love Jack White. So I'll say yeah. uh, Eddie Vedder was very similar. That's why he didn't want to make music videos. He's mm. like, when people listen to the music, I want them to like, picture their own stuff. I want them to feel the music however they want to interpret it, not watch the video and be like, this is what this song is about. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's art, man. Yeah. It's fucking art. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So like for me, like, I mean, God. Yeah. So in 1990, I, I feel like I really started listening to this album in 1994, mm-hmm. I would say, when I was like a freshman in high school. And like everything became grunge. Now, I wasn't in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. I was in Stamford, Connecticut. <laughs> um, but everyone started wearing flannels, mm-hmm. okay? And to the point, I actually, 
I just thought of a really funny story. But um, like my Jewish uh, youth group, BBYO, mm-hmm. we would have these like fundraisers. And I remember like the guys from my my high school like selling flannels to make money for their chapter of BBYO because flannels were like all the rage. And so I bought a flannel from them and it was just like really too big for me. It was really long. It went mm-hmm. down to my knees and it was hanging in my closet. And one day I came home and I opened my closet years later, like a few years later, maybe I was already in college. And my mom had cut the bottom of the shirt <laughs> off. And I was like, why did you, what the fuck did you do to my shirt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my mom was like, well, it didn't fit. It was too, it was too long. So I fixed it. <laughs> by just taking scissors and just cutting my shirt in half. Nothing says alternative rock like my mom fixed it for me. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I got to give shout outs to, like I really loved Blind Melon. That was yeah. a band I really, really loved um, and still do. I really like Blind Melon. Um, but yeah, it was Blind Melon, Soundgarden, Smashing Pumpkins, mm-hmm. Nirvana, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend in high school named Carrie who introduced me to grunge, mm-hmm. I would say. And when Kurt Cobain died, I was a freshman in high school. And I was three. Mm, you were three. And that's the generation gap, my friends. <laughs> um, but yeah, she just wore black for like weeks yeah. after that. Um, and I was like, why are you wearing black? And she was like, Kurt Cobain died. And I was like, who's Kurt Cobain? And it was it was a really weird time. I was wearing black clothes with a Nirvana patch mourning the loss of Kurt Cobain in 2003. Yeah. I didn't care it was nine years later. I still felt that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I I feel like, like I said, I feel like, you know, it's grunge with a groove. And I mm-hmm. think that's partly why I like it. But, obviously, as with everything, I like it because I listened to it when I was in high school. And these were my formative years. And yeah. it, it's interesting because, like, obviously... I don't know. We've done a bunch of music on this podcast Mm -hmm. and a lot of mine is hip hop based, but Mm -hmm. I really liked this album. Um, Yeah. And so I just thought I'd shout out some of my favorite songs. Uh, Yellow Leadbetter is (laughs) um, this. Eddie, give us a little taste of that. To remind me. No. That's not it. No, that's not it. Um, (laughs) No, it's like. And now you might be saying, Rachel, what are the lyrics? And here is a really fun thing I learned uh, this week, which is that no one knows what he's saying, not even Eddie Vedder, because he changes the lyrics of that song every time he sings it. It's his glass onion. <laughs> it's his glass onion. That's great. Um, I also still like that song. It's called like Elderly Woman. Something's in my, it's like a really long, like you were saying, it's like a whole poetry yes, song yeah. title. It's the hearts and thoughts they fade, fade, fade away. away. Yeah. And these are ones that are not on 10. Um, and then yeah, even flow black. Oh, I was saying to you today, like, I think that black has like this really fun guitar solo in it. Yeah. Is that, is that in black? I think it was, was in the live. In... Oh, maybe that was in the live. Yeah. Live's got a big face um, melter. I just remember in high school being like, this is so deep. I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be the sun in somebody else. 
else is sky. Why? 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 What can it be? Why can it be mine? Oh, that was poetry to me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like maybe thinking about the intersection mm-hmm. of these two topics is like one is like people I think people I think credit these songwriters with being deeper than they are one <laughs> um two is what we're talking about that these uh acts both defined a genre at a point in time yeah I think that's a huge part of it yeah and for me when I've been when I was listening to Pearl Jam I was thinking in the other room, Rachel is listening to My Chemical Romance. And I would want Rachel to come with an open mind about like this genre that maybe she's <laughs> not used to. And it's like, that's just how they sing, right? Like, get over it. And, and <laughs> appreciate it. And then, but it's like, if I want you to exercise that, I have to just accept that that's what Eddie Vedder sounds like. That, that the lyrics are, and now I know, actually unknowable. Just in that song. <laughs> but with those things comes some, some killer tunes. Yeah. And, you know, both bands explored dark themes. Yes. Depression, loneliness, and... Self-violence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, being so alternative that you don't even think you're your genre. Oh, yeah. We talked about <laughs> selling out. I, I found this little fun fact from My Chemical Romance that Twilight, the movie Twilight, really wanted My Chemical Romance to write a song for the movie. Mm, because it's I like, could see that. They're the vampire band, yeah. you know? Um, but they refused. And I think it's, like, <laughs> hilarious because it's like, what? You're, you're a big band. You're selling out stadiums, like... Take the money. Like, write a song for the Twilight. I don't care. I, I don't think I, that I'm compromises so them. I'm so glad yeah. that I am not someone who has to, quote, be cool. Like, I'm so glad that I can just do my dumb things mm-hmm. and not worry about, is this cool? Right. You know, I'm an improviser. I'm whatever. You know, yeah. there's just so much. And I think that's a really big part of like growing up too is like, oh, I can't listen to that because it's not cool. Or I can't watch that because it's too popular, mm-hmm. which makes it uncool or right. whatever. And that's part of growing up is just being yeah. like, nah, you could just do whatever you want. Listen to whatever makes you happy. Mm-hmm. I always found the idea of selling out to be really frustrating because people want to make a living off their art. And the moment that you, obviously the moment that you monetize art, it changes it, but also you're living your dream, which is making your living off of your art. And then are you immediately selling out because you make money off of it? Like what's the line? Is it, Oh, if you make this much money or is it, if you make money at all or what, you know? Yeah. I mean, as a, as somebody with a lot of purity standards, probably (laughs) too many, you know, I think about this, you know, music is a big one. Sports is a big one. You know, you got a player that plays for your team and then all of a sudden this other team offers him a bunch of money. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Alex Rodriguez is playing for the Texas Rangers and you're like, excuse me. Yeah. That uh, was ours. Good reasons. I fucking hate that guy. Yeah. But that's, yeah, there's a whole Jerry Seinfeld bit where he's like, you're just rooting for the clothes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> last week that guy was wearing different clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but like with music, it's like, like, and with art in general, I think like I'm happy for the person. 
I'm sad for me because sometimes it does mean that the, the work suffers. I think that sometimes it's not from selling out. Sometimes it's from, it's also just popularity sometimes, yeah. right? Like, so your album was so good that it got so popular that you got famous. Now that means you sold out. No, you just created your album. Yeah. Then the world took off. Like, I think selling out happens in the sophomore album, right? You can't sell out with your first album. Right. Because you're just defining what you are. As soon as you change what you are to stay relevant or to earn money or whatever. I don't know why we're talking about this. Neither of these bands are have a sellout story, really. No, but I think that Kurt Cobain said that. Oh, that the, the that, Pearl Jam sold out? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But well, you know what? Yeah, sorry that they wanted to stay clean, Kurt. And sorry, Kurt, but ah, <laughs> I'm so Too dark. Sick burn. <laughs> Unbeloved right. singer-songwriter I Kurt think Cobain. we have covered these topics. Yes. Oh, hold on. One last thing that I feel like these acts have in common oh. is their relationship to masculinity. And I feel like you can like track this at a different point in time because I feel like we are talking about like a lot of deep raw emotions from Pearl Jam here. Uh, the song like "Don't Call Me Daughter" is a very interesting one when you juxtapose that with eyeliner and girl pants. You know what I mean? That happens fifteen mm. years later. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of this like we're still in a very masculine world in the nineties and early two thousands. Again, we still are, but it was just, it was just heavier back then. And, uh, the fact that these bands are seen as like being like emotional or like, like slightly more feminine. Like, I feel like Pearl jam is the, is softer than Nirvana. Yeah, but that 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 was not a soft song. Like that song is about child abuse. There's yes. so much, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. all these songs are about, real shit. I guess that's what it is. It's like, it was soft back then to talk about something that was real. Yes. You know, to real emotion or whatever. Yeah. Thank God. I mean, this society is at least not that, at least that hyper-masculine anymore. And the music is better for it, folks. Like, we love these acts, but these acts are, I think, both frozen in their time. Yeah. And it's fun to go back and and to to take a trip down memory lane. Speaking of time, what is that floating hat over there? Oh, hold on. Let me just put it on my head real quick. I just (laughs) got to put it on my head and... (gasps) It's the hat of time! And now it's time to take a look inside (laughs) the hat of time. Inside this magical hat are cultural events that occurred between 1996 and 2008, a.k.a. Our generation gap. <laughs> so let's hear about how these events affected our lives. Rachel, pure into the hat. Ooh, all right. I'm going to dip my hand in. I've been told that they're not just events in this hat anymore. There's there's also firsts and stuff like that. I, I'm just saying, Denise told me this right yeah. before the episode. Okay, you don't want to keep your hand in the oh, hat sorry, too sorry. long. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'll take it out. All right, let me open this. will get better uh, All right. The Hat of Time is asking about favorite video games from childhood oh this this could be seven episodes of the podcast (laughs) this is actually really timely because we went to the arcade yesterday yeah yeah in portland there is a great retro arcade here called ground control and rachel and i uh through my work party got to play unlimited uh retro arcade (laughs) games 
Um, so I feel like I know what Rachel's answers are because Rachel has two answers to what, what video games have you played? <laughs> Apparently none of them are Zelda Ocarina of Time. What about you? What was your favorite video game from childhood? Other than probably Pokemon. Sure. Um, which we cover in season one, episode 10. Yeah. Uh, I would say I'm a big Mario fan. I love Mario Kart. I love Mario Party. But the only video game that I've 100% completed, like 100% all the way beginning to end, collecting everything, beating every level, is Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo. Hmm. Um, I played it a lot as a kid, but uh, completed it when I was uh, like 20 years old in acting school. <laughs> um, but uh, I just loved being able to ride Yoshi. I love platformers. I, even still today, I play video games. I'll play new video games, but they kind of have to look and feel like old video I games. I know. That um, nostalgia is a wicked drug, my friend. Yeah, oh, yeah. And for some reason, <laughs> video games, it's like super hardcore. Like as soon as it starts to look realistic, I don't <laughs> care anymore. I think it's funny how in Super Mario World, it was like Nintendo was like, well, how many of these are we going to add? Let's just add the word super in front of it, and that'll that'll be good. So there's Nintendo, and there's uh, there's Super Nintendo, <laughs> and there's Mario Brothers, and there's Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah. So what about you? What's what's the, yeah. the video games from your childhood? Yeah, I mean this this is a tough one for me because we weren't um, we were more of a computer game family than a video game fr- mm-hmm. family. We didn't really have a video game console. I think we had an Atari like when I was like three, but I don't really remember. Um, but Helena who lived around the corner, she had Nintendo. So we would go over there to play super Mario brothers and I really loved super Mario brothers. Uh, but at home, uh, my brother and I would play Arknoid all the time, which, you know, because we played, uh, at the arcade the other night and it's just like a basic, like brick breaking. Yeah. It's just, you've played it. It, Arknoid sounds like it's a game about alien invasion. It's just a game with a paddle at the bottom that you control and you're bouncing the ball against the bricks. But stuff falls down and it changes your ability your like abilities yeah, you and stuff. Yeah, you have like multi-ball or like a bigger paddle or slow-mo. And I or- doubt there's a lot of Arknoid Arknoid heads out there, but if you... Definitely are- none of them that describe themselves as Arknoid <laughs> if heads. If any of you Arknoid he- heads are listening right now, I just want to say, doo-doo, doo-doo-doo-doo. Um, yeah. Noid on. I think actually it's like one of the only games that I, my brother and I ever beat. Like there was, there was a level that we would get to that was almost like maybe a mistake. Like it was like a hidden level that was like messed up because no one was supposed to get that far. Yeah. Video games used to not have a narrative end. There used to just be what's called a kill screen. Right. Yeah. And it was just like the level wasn't even complete and you lose. Yeah. And we would get, we would get there often. Uh, but I can tell you after playing the other night, I no longer have any skills whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, thank you so much for doing this with me. Oh, thank you for doing this with me. I feel like we really bridged some gaps. We definitely bridged a gap today. Yeah. Yeah. We're all about bridges here in bridge city. Oh, how about that? I thought it was called Rose city. It's, it's really nickname city because it's also Stumptown, Soccer City, and USA, Little Bayroom. And apparently they call Bay it the Roo. city that works, and I'm like, no, that's Stamford, Connecticut. I, I'd say both of the cities could use a little more. <laughs> well, babe, I know that you and I will always have even flow together. That's right. You know, because I'm your elderly woman. <laughs> yeah, and I'm your teenager that scares the living shit out of you. <laughs> Thank you, and good night. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap. 
Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sam and Rachel Comedy. And if you like the show, please rate us highly on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap is produced by Sam DeRose and Rachel Rosenthal with editing from Jack Barton. Our music is by Douglas Wydick and Sweet Tea Studios. Our artwork is by Aaron Maybe Designs. And the snuggles are provided by Rosie DeGalga. Galga.